0: My name is Julie Henrikus, and I'm the executive director of Sisters in Crime, and I am thrilled to welcome V.M. Burns to the podcast today. V.M. Burns, Valerie, is the author of the R.J. Franklin Mysteries, the Dog Club Mystery Series, and the Mystery Bookshop Mystery Series. Originally from Northwestern Indiana, Valerie now lives in Eastern Tennessee with her two poodles, Chloe and Kensington. You can see Chloe and Kensington on some of her social media, and they are absolutely adorable. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being here, Valerie. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Well, the first thing I would love to to ask you about and to talk about is, you know, what, what was the moment or when did you decide, I, I want to write a book? I want to be a writer. Oh,
1: um, I don't know the exact moment, but I you know i when i think back over my life i realize that i have always I've, I've been an avid reader i love mysteries and i read every agatha christie i could find every cozy mystery i could find and one thing that i did that i didn't realize everybody didn't do this is if i read a book or watched a television program and i didn't like the ending or I would toss it aside and be like, "Well, they should have done this." And then I'd imagine out a whole new ending for it. Or if I read a book or saw a movie and I wanted more, I would just think up new sequels. And I thought everybody did that and I was pretty <laughs> old before I realized everybody's not thinking up new book ideas or coming up with whole dialogue and and everything. And so eventually, you know, I I went to um, college and um, at my undergrad, um, Northwestern University, they have a very good radio television film department. And one of my close friends was um, studying screenwriting. And so, you know, I have all these ideas of new sequels and books and episodes of television programs. So I kept feeding them to her. Oh, you should write this and you should write a book about this, or you should write a film episode about this. And eventually, as we all do, she got tired of it. And in a very nice way, she's like, no, but I think maybe you should write it. And so she gave me a book um, from one of our professors um, on screenwriting. So I actually kind of started writing screenplays, and it just sort of evolved from there. I went to a um, workshop And it was screenwriters and also book publishers. And I'd gone to a lot of screenwriting workshops before. And honestly, it was kind of depressing because when you go to these workshops, all they say is it's really hard to break into film. It's almost impossible to break into film. Nobody breaks into film. Everybody in Hollywood has a script. So, you know, you can get very discouraged and they don't want to talk to you when you're at a conference people don't you know really just share because they're afraid you're going to steal their idea and become rich and famous so i went to this conference that was actually a combination of book and film and i met a lot of book authors. And they were, it was a 180. They were so friendly and inviting. And they're like, oh, tell me about your book. Here, let me tell you about my book. So it was just a totally different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity to pitch to a editor at Berkeley. And, you know, I am i hadn't even written the book, but I didn't tell her that. And I'm pitching this idea I had, and she liked it. And I hadn't written it. And so I'm like, leave. And I go and and write the book real quick. And I think as I started to write it is when the passion to really want to write
0: books. Yeah well it's interesting that starting with screenplays too, because that helps you with dramatic structure and scenes and everything else that books are different but it's, it's but those tools are so invaluable
1: they are they are, and I really learned a lot from all of the books and research and seminars and workshops that I went to, and also I learned how to talk you know to editors and publishers by pitching and, you know, yeah. going to pitch facts and being able to get your story down to your 60 second elevator pitch. And so that was very helpful as well.
0: Yeah, that's a great skill and very hard to do, especially when you care about the project. There's um, so yeah.
1: much in a book, you know, you've got 300 pages and you got to will it down to 60 <laughs> seconds. Tell me what is the point? What's the hook?
0: Yeah, no, but it's invaluable. So what's uh, what's the best and the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? So I think the worst advice is
1: not anything specific, but it is when people tell you things that there's only one way to do things. That, you know, oh, you have to be a plotter. You have to have a 50 page, you know, plot or a 20 page synopsis. You've got to have, you know, you know, do it this way. You only write one book a year and you spend, you know, years slaving over that. And I tried to do it that way. And it really um, just sucked the joy of writing away. Um, I'm not a plotter. So, but I wanted to be, so I tried to do it their way. You know, when people tell you, oh, you got to do it like this. And eventually I realized I had to just be me and I had to do what worked for me. And so I think if someone tells you there's only one way to do something, I, I that's the worst advice ever. The best advice I ever got was when I was going for my MFA, one of the um, students in the program said, write the book that'll keep your butt in the chair. And, you know, I think a lot of times we try to follow trends or this is popular, you know, vampires are popular right now. So let's write a story about vampires. And um, I think you have to be true to who you are and write the story. It, It takes a long time to write a book and you spend a lot of time with those characters in your head. And so you need to write something that you feel passionate about, something that's going to make you want to go to the desk, sit down at your laptop and, you know, write every day.
0: Yeah. So you have an MFA. Were you what's your what was your focus as you were doing your MFA?
1: So I went to a um, I went to Seton Hill University, which is a small school in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And they have a writing popular fiction program. So I, I, that's where I got my MFA and I loved it. It was fantastic Um, when you, it was a low residency program, all of the professors are published authors. One of my favorite authors, Victoria Thompson, um, was one of the adjunct professors. And I thought, wow, if I could learn from her, then maybe I stand a shot at getting published. So my um, thesis was um, Traveling Shoes, the first book in the R.J. Franklin series. So, you know, I declare myself as a mystery writer. And the by the end of the program, you have a, a manuscript that should be publishable.
0: And so um, were you always a crime writer or a mystery writer or, or you know, was that where, where your passion was or have you written in other genres as well?
1: My passion is crime fiction and writing that because that's what I love to read. I have um, attempted some um, children's books. And I think when you read my my cozy mysteries, you'll notice there's a whole lot of dogs in them. So I had um, tried to write some children's books, you know, Coco goes to the vet, you know, or um, Coco gets a playmate. So those, you know, they were also around dogs. So I think that um, the, I tried writing other genres, but somebody always ends up dead. So, I think I need to stick with crime fiction. They frown it's upon a, that in romance. <laughs> I
0: can tell you, um, I so your R.J. Franklin um, series. What that was your thesis, and that's a historical, which is a whole other layer of of work. Is that is that right?
1: Well um no the RJ Franklin series is my um culinary cozy oh, wait, and wait. it is um it's set in south well south bend but i call it uh, saint joseph indiana and um what's unique about it i think is the fact that the protagonist is a police officer and he kind of solves mysteries along with his godmother who loves to cook and um She loves to gossip. So they get, she gets all the gossip and she uses what my dad used to refer to as mother wit. And RJ has the more um, practical, um, yes, I have a reason to interrogate people and investigate crime. I like to have a practical element in my cozy mysteries, even though most of them are amateur sleuths. You know, you kind of want a reason why they're continuing to interview dangerous people.
0: And had that book and that character just been living with you for a while or was it getting your MFA that made you all of a sudden be have the space to be able to create?
1: So I think that. They lived with me, so the individuals were people. It was based a lot on my because the town is my hometown. It's based on my hometown. The it's very um, tied into the church, you know. And I grew up going to church, singing in the choir, and eating soul food. And so, you know, they always say write what you know. And while I love murder mysteries. I don't know a whole lot about, you know, killing people or solving crime. So I decided to take those elements of things that I do know, which was the church theme, the food, the relationships, the town, and to craft a murder mystery around that. And so that's where um, they were. And most of my books... They're not based on a on a person, a real person. But that one, Mama B, who's the detective's uh, godmother, she's based on my godmother. Um, so that one was a, a lot easier, and it's also very close to my heart.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And you've written three series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and written a lot of books. So what's your writing process like? So I you know,
1: here's the thing. I got a lot of rejection. And so the one thing that I did was I kept writing. So I think a lot of times people get rejections and they stop and I just kept writing. So by the time when my first book came out, I, you know, they were like, well, what else you got? Well, you know, I actually have a few other things uh. tucked away. So it wasn't um, that I was writing like five books a year. I had these already written and it was just a matter of getting them out and revising them and making them better. So um, I also have a full-time job. Uh. Um, and so I tend to write every day. Um, at, in the evening. I'm not a morning person. So I'm not going to get up at, you know, crack of dawn and uh, crank out 2000 words. Um, I really don't want to talk to anybody before eight o'clock. So <laughs> I'm much better after my full-time job finishes and I do a little decompression. And mm-hmm. then probably six, seven o'clock at night, I'm ready to write and escape into this other
0: world. Um, so I hear, I hear you say two things that I'd love to talk about. One is that while you were getting rejections, you kept writing and didn't, and sounds like you also started on other projects because Mm -hmm. you were thinking, if this isn't selling, let me find something that does.
1: Yeah. And I think too, because I had so many ideas, you know, when you read a lot of cozy mysteries and, and. I used to read all these books and I I would think, I wish there was a book about this. I wish there was a book where there was a hairdresser was the protagonist. I wish there was a book. And, you know, after a while, that list gets really, really long. And you realize you could, you know, no one's written those books. And I think maybe I should write those books if no one's written them. So I had all these ideas and I didn't want to lose them. So I would, you know, just start writing. And because I'm not a plotter, you know, I just get an idea and I just go with it. And I'll write until, you know, the muse leaves and I set it aside and then move on.
0: That's great. That's great, and so uh, this sort of segues into your publishing journey because writing and publishing are two different journeys. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and I I I think people we really need to remember that because you know the writing is what feeds your soul and your creativity and and you need to find joy in, but the the publishing journey is the business side it and is. it's a lot of it's out of your control. Oh yeah, um, so what's your publishing journey been like?
1: Well, um, you know, I, like I said, I got a lot of rejections. Um, oh, and I wrote, um, traveling shoes, you know, I sent it off and I feel like I have enough rejections to wallpaper a room. And, you know, I, I started, you know, I couldn't get an agent and I couldn't, you know, there aren't a lot of publishers that will take unagented submissions. And so I'm kind of, you know, what's weird is I'm not a plotter, but I am a planner. So I came up with a plan that, okay, if I can focus on getting an agent, then I can focus on what I love to do, which is right, and let them focus on, you know, submitting my manuscript to publishers. So that's really what I, targeted and just sending out um, sending out query letters. One really good piece of advice I got from the screenwriting workshops. I remember um, one of the presenters saying if you send out a query and you're not getting um, requests for a partial submission or a full submission, the issue is not your script. The issue is your query letter. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time perfecting my query letters. And I think when you start to get requests for your partial or or your full submissions is when you can actually get the information you need to make it better. So there's something that either uh, an agent or a publisher isn't liking about it but you don't know what that is if they're not requesting so you got to be able to hook them
0: mm-hmm.
1: enough so that they want to read more and then once they read it then you're if you're lucky and you get some you know personalized feedback you can find out what's working what's not working and make those revisions and then the next time when you send it out then maybe you'll have a more successful chance so with my journey I got and Agent, um, and I, I never really thought about self-publishing. Only because I don't understand what to do. I'm like, I it's it's very involved. I think now things are much easier, and there are a lot of places that make it easy for you to self-publish. And you know, perhaps that will be something down the road I would consider. I just didn't know enough. Mm -hmm. about the process or the business or how do you market a book? And, and I really suck at things like titles and covers. I don't know what I want my cover to look like. I just know what I don't like. So every time I have a new book out, my, my editor sends me, Hey, do you got any cover ideas? No. No, maybe a dead body and a dog somewhere on there. I don't know. And then they do it and send it to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that. I never would have come up with that on my own.
0: Yeah, yeah. And out
1: of my, you know, 14 books, I think my editor has changed all but two titles. You know, he he changes all of them. So I think that um, what I've really focused on is just getting the story. And mm-hmm. I rely on the professionals to take care of you know the the covers and the titles and marketing and distribution and what should the book cost and all of all of that I'm just um I just want to write
0: so it sounds too and and tell me if this is uh what I'm hearing is that your your screenwriting journey really helped you develop, uh, I don't want to say a, 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 hardness or a shell, but sort of the ability to understand that the business side is the business side. Like you, the yeah. agent is a business partner with you and you may get along well personally, but if they can't sell your book, then it's not gonna, right. it's not exactly. gonna work.
1: Exactly. And that is, um, really, really true. And I think a lot of times writers miss that because we're artists, you know, here, this is writing is your art. This is your, what you do, what you're passionate about. And I think that a lot of times we take it personally when you get rejected. And I read a lot of stories and articles about, famous writers who got rejected. J.K. Rowling's got rejected, every publisher. And, you know, a lot of very famous writers got rejections and Charlene Harris got rejected, you know, and it's not necessarily that it's not good. It's not that it's not sellable or not um, marketable. It may be that they just can't, they don't know where to place it or they don't, you know, see the vision at that time. And so I think that you're right. I think that screenwriting did help me to realize this is a business and it's all about business, especially because with film, it takes a long time and it's very expensive. So Mm -hmm. you have your screenplay and you think about all the actors and the producers and directors and just everybody involved. You're talking millions of dollars involved in getting something to film and there, so it's not necessarily that you don't have a good idea that your script or your book isn't um, great. It's do they have the money to be able to bring it to life and make it happen? And so, you know, I think that you're right. I think that screenwriting did help me to, to be able to take that distance that you need so that everything, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I still take rejection personally, <laughs> you know, of course, but I, of course. I only allow myself to wallow in self-pity for about 24 hours. I ate some butter pecan ice cream and then move <laughs> on.
0: <laughs> and because it is to, to stay published is almost harder than than first getting published.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, being able to keep the momentum, to be able to keep the interest, to be able to continue to write stories that people care about.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think that from a cozy standpoint, the, the one thing I hear consistently from readers is the characters and the relationship with the characters. It's not as much. Plot is important, but they they like Mama B. They like sitting on her front porch and drinking sweet tea with Mama B. They like, um, you know, hanging out with Nana Joe and the girls from the retirement village in my mystery bookshop series. And I read an email yesterday where someone wrote me and said, you know, I really love Lily and Dixie and how you know in my dog club series. And so I think that it's the people, it's the relationships that they come back for. And building that is very, um, very important.
0: Absolutely. We've, you've mentioned cozy mysteries a couple of times. Just for listeners who may not know what that genre is, um, it's a subgenre of traditional mysteries. But do you want to talk about what a cozy is or how you define it? Sure.
1: Um, so a cozy mystery um, typically has an amateur sleuth solving crime. And generally, I say, I ask people, have you ever seen Murder, She Wrote? Because, you know, that's kind of the quintessential cozy mystery where you've got Jessica Fletcher. She's not a police officer. She's not a lawyer. She's not getting paid to solve crime. She's just a little nosy and very inquisitive and good at, at Figuring things out. So, cozy mysteries tend to be, um, they're called clean mysteries too. So, there are a lot of things you can't do in a cozy. Cozy mysteries can't have any explicit sex scenes. There's no um, bad language. There's um, not a lot of blood and guts and gore. So, you know, you don't get the true, you know, scene of the dead body and typically the murder happens off screen your protagonist stumbles across a dead body and the key with a cozy mystery is it's a who done it it's a puzzle it's about reading a story that hopefully your reader will be engaged in and as they're reading the author is dropping clues to help the reader figure out by the end, who done it, who killed, you know, Professor Plum in the, you know, library with a wrench, you know, so that's what the beauty, I think, of a cozy mystery.
0: Yeah. And when you're, One of your series is ready to become a TV series. You get your screenwriting (laughs) ability, so you're ready to go.
1: (laughs) Yes, indeed. I want to be the screenwriter, at
0: least have first writer refusal. (laughs) Yeah, let's put that out there. Um, So what advice would you give your younger self who sort of started to realize you had stories to tell, that the muse was, 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 whispering to you that you were a writer (laughs) even if you weren't listening to it right away
1: (laughs) I think if I could go back in time and tell myself anything it would be you know to to pursue my dreams earlier to believe in myself more and um not to give up you know on anything just to keep pressing through I I think that um you know, you you really need to follow your passion and follow what makes you happy, because, you know, I guess the older I get, the more I realize that life is just too short to not pursue your dreams. And when I was younger, I never thought about being a writer because I'm like, I can't survive. I want to make money. I want to I want to be an engineer or I want to do something with math and science and something that will, you know, allow me to live. And I didn't view writing as being something that, you know, unless you're Stephen King, something that you're going to be able to, to make a living at. And so I think that I would tell myself, you know, just trust yourself because you have to follow what, what excites you, what makes you happy. And if writing makes you happy, then I believe things will work out. I believe yeah. that you'll figure out a way to make it work, to make it where, you know, you're you're able to pursue that and still be happy as opposed to spending hours in a job that you don't love in order to spend, you know, just to to make a living, to keep a roof over your head. Um I think the older I get, the more um I how important I realize it is to be happy and to do what
0: gives you joy. Absolutely, joy is so important, and I I think that sometimes we're unkind to ourselves, saying I if I if I can't make a living, I'm not successful. Mm-hmm. And as writers, that that's a false thing to tell yourself, right? Exactly. Because it's a long game. Uh, you is. know, you're building a career. It's not a book. It may be a book, but you know, it's also a long game. Of, it is many books
1: it's a marathon not a sprint so you know and i i hope i can see development in my work over time and i hope that one day i will be at you know at the point where i'm going to look at my writing and say oh man this is pretty good you know and i think you're right we do tend to beat ourselves up a little bit on um, oh, we're not making you know Stephen King money, so therefore we're not successful. I mean, you know what? You wrote a book. From it's got right. a beginning, a middle, and an end. And even right. if it hasn't been published yet, even if it's not out on you know setting a fire on the New York Times bestseller list, this is a huge accomplishment. Writing a book is hard. It takes a lot of work. A lot yeah. of people start they don't necessarily finish. So if someone has finished a book, if you've got a complete story, um, that is a huge accomplishment and you need to celebrate. And I'm all about little celebrations. Oh, I finished this scene. Yay, let's go celebrate and have some popcorn or something. So I think that we need, and I, I need to do this more myself, is to realize that success doesn't, necessarily look like a, you know, a certain dollar amount. Success is moving forward down that path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And having, having two jobs, you know, your writing and your other job is, is par for the course for <laughs> a lot of people, most writers. It is. Yeah. And, and you
1: know what? I love my, my day job. And so, you know, I get to work with some great people and it helps to feed, my creativity. I, um, my co-workers have learned that if you make me angry, I will kill you in my book. So I always change the um, name, but I leave the initials. So now they're reading to see if they see their initials in there. And I've got one coworker who's trying to go for a record. So he likes to poke me to see how many times I can kill him in my books.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, so, what, you know, we're both work with Sisters in Crime and you're on the board right now um, and doing amazing amount of work. Um, what has Sisters in Crime meant for you in your writing career?
1: You know, I really have enjoyed Sisters in Crime. When I was a, working on my MFA, I joined Sisters in Crime, and to me, it was it was such a huge accomplishment. There are other associations um, for writers and crime writers, but Sisters in Crime was willing to um, allow membership, and you didn't have to be published, and you didn't have to have you know all of this. You know, you had to be published and have make a certain amount of money. To me, that was opening because I felt embraced. I felt like, you know, they understand that, you know, I have this desire and maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I haven't reached, you know, the ultimate goal, but I'm, I'm interested. So they, I felt welcomed Mm -hmm. and sisters in crime offered a lot of educational programs that I really benefited from. And I remember one in particular was, um, I they offered a a discount you know the way back when for um it was writing um mur- it's called murdercon now but um you know the writing for police or something like that and and to help writers to get it right and and that was just very useful I got so many um so much useful information from the webinars that I was able to look at and, and the articles that I read and just getting the newsletter and seeing everybody's accomplishments, you know, they celebrate, you know, oh, this person got a deal or this person. And I was like, one day I'm going to be on that list, too. So <laughs> I just appreciated how much it was open mm-hmm. and just their advocacy for writers. And so I, when I had an opportunity and was asked, you know, if I would, you know, work with Sisters in Crime and I I started out as a volunteer program coordinator, I'm like, yeah, I would like to give back because I felt like I got so much out of Sisters in Crime for the, you know, small amount of money that I, I was contributing. I felt like I got a lot in return from that.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, so what are you reading right now, Valerie? Ooh. So, um, Or are I, you reading? Cause when you're <laughs> writing, you might not be reading. So <laughs> I try not to read
1: new stories while I'm writing. Um, so I just had finished, um, a proposal and I started, um, I got behind on a series that I love by Emily Brightwell, um, the Mrs. Jeffries series and um, the inspector and Mrs. Jeffries. I love that. There's like 30 some odd books in this series. Wow. So yeah, very prolific. And I am extremely looking forward. Now I'm working on a, a book and so I can't read new stuff, but I have a Victoria Thompson on my shelf that it just keeps whispering to me. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to look at you because I can't read this right now. So generally, if I'm writing just to get my little um, cozy fix, I will read books that I've already read before. So I don't feel like I'm getting something new that's going to go into it. So I will go back and read, reread my Agatha Christie's because I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan and i even though i know who done it i now i can read through and see how she did it yeah. and how she planted this clue and it's amazing because i reread um the murder on the orient express not too long ago mm-hmm. for a class i was doing and i was like i don't remember this man i died this is brilliant and when you know who Who did it. You're not reading just to be entertained anymore. Now I'm reading to see, oh, I didn't realize how she did that. That was really subtle. I didn't, you know, I didn't catch that. And so it gives me ideas. It's like, oh, well, that's brilliant. I want to try that next time. So I do reread a lot of um, her books and a lot of my favorites.
0: I uh, Agatha Christie I agree with you so much you as a writer when you read her now just the way she uses points of view or switches characters or tricks you and you know she's doing it but it's it's amazing how she how well she does it
1: exactly I agree. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I. and I wish, you know, I often hear people say, Oh, if you could go back and talk to any writer, who would it be? It would be her. And I'm, you know, I'm like, sh- some of her thoughts, I'm like, so twisted. I just love
0: it. And I want
1: to, you know, pick her brain and figure out what were you thinking, you
0: know? <laughs> Well, I suspect she would uh like the fact that you're killing co-workers and using their <laughs> initials. <laughs> I wonder if she did that as well. <laughs> it's how you stay kind, I'm sure, you know, you just work it <laughs> out in your books. Well, um thank you. What's next for you? What you you said you're working on a book and and but do you have things coming out or or where are you?
1: So, um, the sixth book in my, um, mystery bookshop series came out in January, a tourist guide to murder and book seven is coming out in late November, December timeframe. I think maybe December and, um, it's called killer words and I have, um, another RJ Franklin book to write. So, um, but I'm also working on a new, uh, a new series have not announced anything yet and so um it's gonna be a culinary um cozy so I am working on that. That's and fine. yeah I'm 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 excited about these new characters who are coming into my life and seeing mm-hmm. where they're gonna go and what's gonna happen to them. And so that makes me happy, you know, and I'm I'm enjoying writing
0: that's awesome that's the greatest gift of all yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh in our show notes we're going to have all of uh valerie's connections so you can follow her on social media and you can also um go to her website sign up for her newsletter so thank you so much valerie for being here
1: well thank you for having me i had a great time it was great